0: Here we are, two weeks out from Buffalo, and we're still talking about the same two needs. Good morning to you. Good Wednesday morning. I'm Dayon Kovacevic of DK Pittsburgh Sports, and this is Daily Shot of Steelers. Comes your way bright and early every weekday morning. If you're into hockey and or baseball, I also offer up Daily Shots of Penguins and Pirates right where you found this. The football team went through its cutdowns. Yesterday by the NFL's 4 p.m. deadline, letting go B.J. Finney, Arthur Mallette, and a handful of other guys, and the reason I underscore Finney and Mallette is because one is an offensive lineman, the other is a cornerback. Same two needs. Probably the only two surprises in that group of cuts. Maybe a couple others on the periphery. I thought Rashad Coward had a pretty good camp. Mark Gilbert's another corner. He started off well and then kind of tailed off once the games became, you know, games. But for the most part, it was the group that you expected. What also was expected, most unfortunately, is that Offensive line and cornerback would be troublesome. And you would have hoped maybe that there would have been something pleasant occurring along the way that would have fortified one or both. There there have been some upbeat developments at those positions. Dan Moore has put himself into a spot where he could be, um, underscoring, could a starter. He and Mike Tomlin had a pretty lengthy talk after practice yesterday at the Rooney Sports Complex team had to go indoors because of the rain just the two of them out on the field but afterward Moore confirmed that it wasn't Tomlin telling him that he's a starter or that he's been anointed or something like that and at the same time you can tell that Moore took the experience in an encouraging way If coach feels that then that's, that's what the call will be. I'm ready for whatever comes at me I've been preparing every day, Um, so like I said, I'm ready. I have an outstanding defense to go against every single day. Um, Some great vets, uh, great coaching staff. Um, I I mean, I have the tools around me to succeed. That's fine. That's a plus. This, This player has been good, and he's been better whenever he's been on the left side, which is, again, how the offensive line was set up with more... Kevin Dotson, Kendrick Green, Trey Turner, and Chuksa Corfour on the right again with no sign of Zach Banner. But is that going to be enough? No chance. None whatsoever. And I'm not even saying that in a negative way about those five individuals. I'm saying that you need actual depth. And for the team to send both Finney and Coward packing, that tells you that they weren't even satisfied with the depth. So as long as you're going to be bolstering that position, and I'll remind that Kevin Colbert's got somewhere in the range of 7 to $8 million to spend. And I'm not referring to his actual cap space. His actual cap space is closer to $17 million, but that has to be applied to a lot of different things. Practice squad, money, 5 million that he likes to take into the season for emergency moves that he might make and so forth. So the number isn't exact but I think it's going to be right in that range of 7 to 8 million and he can get himself really good football players plural for that. That means an offensive lineman or two and or a corner I'd prefer, for a zillion reasons, to see Colbert invest in a tackle. And by that, I mean a starting tackle. Someone who could come in right off the bat and play the left side. Now, left tackles aren't cheap, even the ones who are cut. If there's a good one out there, there's going to be a market. There are teams, probably 32 of them in total, who are looking for offensive line help. And they're going to they're going to end up spending on this position. But this is where I would put my money. This is where I would say if I'm Colbert, I'm going to identify my player and I'm going to go get him. Because if you can do that and you put more into a situation where he is your rotating backup, at both tackle positions, which is something that he's been preparing for, by the way, by moving back and forth, and he acknowledged that yesterday as well, then your offensive line is, I mean, it's still really uncertain. But it's in better shape than it is right now. This portion of Daily Shot of Steelers is brought to you by Point Park University. Choose from nearly 100 career-focused programs leading to bachelor's, master's, and doctoral degrees. Choose how and where you'd like to do your learning. Whether it's at Point Park's gorgeous downtown Pittsburgh campus, whether it's online, whether it's a flexible hybrid format, learn more about all of this at pointpark.edu. And then there's corner, or should I say slot corner, because let's not pretend that at any point through this training camp, through this preseason, and now through these practices leading up to the Bills, that the Steelers have stopped dreaming about Mike Hilton 2.0. They absolutely, unequivocally have not. They want this player, this mythical creature, this clone of Hilton, to show up out of nowhere and move Cam Sutton to the outside, have James Pierre as a, as a backup, and not force themselves to rip out several pages of the Mike Tomlin slash Keith Butler defensive playbook. Which is what would happen. Which is what would happen. This is the main concern. They have a defense that relies on having this wild card type player who can come up to the line of scrimmage, who can blitz, who can pick up the run, who can look extremely unpredictable near the line of scrimmage and make plays. Well, Hilton could do that. And, well, Hilton is employed by the Cincinnati Bengals. So I fully expect the Steelers to be looking around for someone who they think they can at least shape into the Hilton role. That doesn't mean they're going to get someone who's going to be, you know, immediate impacts at the snap of a finger. But it does mean they're going to pursue it, and they're going to pursue it hard. And by that I mean not just acquiring the player, but pushing the player openly, even publicly, the way they did with Antoine Brooks and, to a lesser extent, Arthur Mallette, to becoming... Hilton 2.0. My one hope in this, of everything that I've mentioned here in this segment, is that the offensive line comes first. You have answers at cornerback. You have an answer at slot corner, meaning Cam Sutton. You might not like the answer, but you have one. On the offensive line, uh uh-uh. You have to keep the Canton-bound franchise quarterback vertical. That's still number one. When we come back, just one question. back. It's time for Just One Question. That's always brought to you on this program by the personal injury law firm of Luxembourg, Garbett Kelly, and George. LGKG, as they are known. They represent people who are hurt in car accidents, who need assistance with workers' comp, who filed medical malpractice claims. The attorneys at LGKG have been designated super lawyers for over 15 years. That's a real thing. It's reserved for the top 5% of all attorneys across our commonwealth. Learn more at lgkg.com or by calling 888-842-5454. Today's question comes from Matt Hanford, who asks, With Pat Fryermuth demonstrating that a Steelers tight end is actually capable of holding on to a catch, does this put Eric Ebron in any danger of losing a starting spot? With him and number 22, we have catching options anywhere. Matt, of course, is referring to Najee Harris as number 22. The answer to your question, Matt, is an emphatic yes. I'm going to try to find a way to tap dance around all the various regulations that prevent me from discussing things that I actually see with my own eyeballs at NFL practices. But yes, yes, Friarmouth has. That, um, still looking for safe terminology here. Friar has that capability. He can be the main guy in an NFL offense for a franchise that's based in Pittsburgh. He can. He can do those things. He will have to improve his blocking, but his blocking is better than Ebron's just by rolling out of bed. So let's start with that as a default mode. That's not good enough. That's not where anybody should be setting the bar for this young man. But I'm also here to tell you that as polished and slick and tough as Fryermuth looks in the receiving game, he's that NFL raw when it comes to blocking. I'll say it again, he can do it. But he still has a lot to learn, people on the inside will tell you. Learning on the job is not ideal, but it's also what rookies do. But if Ben and Friermuth continue to develop a mutual trust that's been apparent, well, for quite a while now, including at practices, then you're going to see that end up being prioritized. I really believe that. Uh, ben loves this kid. You can see that uh, not only from the you know the two touchdowns that everyone saw in the preseason. Uh, you can see it in their various sessions, how they communicate, the amount of time that they spend together. That stuff matters. That stuff matters. Uh, the head coach notices that. The offensive coordinator notices that. The rest of the team notices that. Ebron notices that, which, by the way, is one reason that Ebron has been actually making honest attempts to block all summer long, which has been striking in and of itself. Everyone knows, at least on the inside, that this kid is for real. I think you're going to see him line up as a starter in Buffalo. I really do. Uh, That doesn't mean he'll play every snap or... Ebron won't be involved in any way. This offense definitely has room for two tight ends. It also has room for a rotation in which Ebron will be the main guy out there. I believe Fryermuth will be the starter come September 12th. I appreciate the question, Matt. I appreciate everybody listening to Daily Shot of Steelers. One more practice today for the team over at the Rooney Sports Complex. I'll be over there. After that, they're going to have four days off her the labor agreement before they start gearing up for the bills. Let's do it again tomorrow.